Hey everyone, how's it going? Welcome to Know Your Gear Podcast Live, episode number 293. Let's get into it. Let's just get into questions. I have other stuff to talk about, but we'll do questions first. First, uh, this is the very first question from Fred. Fred said, Les Paul Custom or R9, the Gibson R9 or Les Paul Custom. In other words, which, which would I pick or which should you pick? Or first of all, congratulations on the... Uh, the ability to buy one of those guitars <laughs> those are the expensive ones for sure um you know both i are iconic i'm not going to give you an opinion i don't know if i could say which one would hold value better or which one is the better playing guitar um i think it's weird it's weird i have an r9 and so i think the answer should be gibson r9 but uh, i have to tell you i i think if I was presented with the opportunity to buy a Les Paul Custom, especially in white, that I really liked and I bonded with or I could pick up and play. Like, I got to pick up the R9 and play it first. I think I would have picked that over the R9. Um, the the R9, uh, I think I said this before, but uh, maybe I didn't articulate this guitar as well. I mentioned that, uh, in fact, one's behind me. It's right here. The Paul Reed Smith Hollow Body 2. Sorry, I feel like I'm close to my mic. Okay, the Paul Reed Smith Hollow Body 2 um, was a COVID purchase, and so was the Gibson R9. And what I mean by that is it was like a perfect storm of isolation, depression, <laughs> cost-cutting, I guess, because, you know, you're not driving anymore. I, I mentioned, I maybe I did mention during COVID that during COVID, uh, my both my kids drive there was four cars in the driveway. No one was going anywhere. I had to put tires on my truck and a, and a battery and tires on my son's car, both for sitting too long and rotting uh, over time. And uh, I said, that's it. So I, I sold my truck. And of course, it was a great time to sell a car. So I sold a car and went down, you know, I, I borrow their cars. And the reason I tell you this is that there's no situation where I would do that again. There's, I mean, um, like I said, it was a perfect it was a perfect, like, you know, everything just lined up to go, I think I should do this. <laughs> so I did it. Um, so that's how I ended up with R9. I got to go down and try one, play one in the store. I played it at Bazaar Guitar in uh, in Phoenix, not the Bazaar Guitar in Reno. Um, and, you know, I liked it. There was two of them there, played them, picked the one I like out of the two. They gave me a deal for cash, and then uh, I left. Uh, so I think I would pick the custom if I could have put my hands in the custom. That's a kind of guitar at that price point. Um, especially Gibson, a Gibson is a hard guitar to buy sight unseen on over the internet, especially when it's expensive like that. If, uh, because even if you played a bunch, um, they're all over the place. In fact, um, what I would suggest, uh, to you before you make this huge purchase and, and, and unless, unless of course I don't want you to overthink it. So if you're not the kind of person to worry about all these things, just, just buy the guitar you want. But, um, sometimes if you go to the, uh, websites like Wildwood, you know, we're used to Sweetwater where they weigh the guitars and you can go see the weight. But if you go to, uh, websites like Sweetwater, or like Wildwood guitars, you can actually see the thickness of the neck at the first fret and the 12th fret on those guitars. You'll be surprised when you go look how, how much variance there is in all the neck thicknesses, much less the weights. And so it's a really tough guitar to buy without putting your hands on it, you know? Uh, so, um, so and the, the reason is, is the, so the advice I have is uh, buy which one ever you want. But if I was going to give you advice on which one, try to find one that you feel the most comfortable with. I will tell you this. Uh, a viewer sent me a message. I can't remember if it was a text. Oh, it was a patron. So um, 
I apologize. Let's see if I can give the shout out to the give the credit to the patron that did it. And let's see if it's uh, it was uh, Edward. Edward sent me a message. Um, Here it is. So this might help you. He says, FYI, Chicago Music Exchange, Music Exchange, sent me offers on 10 Chicago Music Store, so CME, Exchange, Spec, Gibson, R9s, 30% off. So there were $6,699 reduced to a very affordable $4,689. So now at this point, there's no excuse not to buy two. And... uh he says, this is crazy. So uh, to give you a, 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 a thought, that's some information. Thank you, Edward, for uh, sending that. He sent it to me, and that's the kind of information when I get that. And I go, that's great. I'm not buying it. <laughs> I already bought one. That was already crazy enough. Uh, do I regret it? Uh, no one asked, but uh, do I regret it? Uh, I don't regret the R9 that much. I definitely don't regret the Hollow Body 2. And the main reason I don't regret the Hollow Body 2 is that's a guitar. That was a guitar that I've wanted for a long time. Even when I was a Paul Ridge Smith dealer. And uh, I really wanted one. And they kept going up in price. But more importantly, um, I, I shed it off a whole bunch of guitars for that guitar. So I'd rather have, at this point, you know, there's enough guitars behind me. I don't need down the hallway and everywhere else they were sitting. So I don't mind that as much. Um. Oh, I will. I will tell you one. Hey, since we're hey, that's the whole point of the show, right? Uh, one regret I have about the Paul Reed Smith Hollow Body Two guitar: the SE sounds better. <laughs> I did the. Does anyone ever do this? This is a horrible decision I made. Horrible, horrible decision I made. Uh, I had the Hollow Body Two Paul Reed Smith SE uh, <laughs> with uh, uh, the uh, Piazzo. Piazzo, Piazzo, I don't know what's wrong with me, Piazzo, Piazzo system, Piazzo system, Piazzo system, Piazzo system. Anyways, it had the uh, transducer in it, and it sounded amazing, and uh, anyways, I ended up with the uh, Hollow Body 2 core, and um, I I liked the SE better, I liked the way it sounded better. The neck was a little chunkier on the SE, looks-wise, it wasn't as cool as the blue that I really wanted and stuff, but it just sounded so good, so... I did the really logical thing that sometimes you do. I know I'm not the only one. I hope I'm the only one today in this group. But I uh, I got rid of the SE as fast as I could because I couldn't tolerate. <laughs> I couldn't tolerate the less expensive one be, being better. And I can't sell the expensive one. You take a bath. I mean, it would just kill. You'd lose. I'd lose. And th- think of this. I paid. I, 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 it was during the covid so it was like no deals for you today um i even got a little bit of a deal even a little bit of deal i would have if i would have sold that used even during covid i probably would have lost almost what the se version cost so it didn't make sense to keep this one and get rid or get rid of the se keep the se and get rid of this one so the se went and as soon as it went i went as soon as i sold it i went i think it was better (laughs) so uh there you go so if you're thinking about thinking about things, uh, think about the SEs. I will tell you uh, something I'm not supposed to tell you. How am I going to tell you a thing I can't tell you guys? Um, next month, which is January, 
I'm only taking a drink for dramatic effect. Um, I told you that I'm I, one thing I feel okay to disclose to you talking to uh, about a half a dozen guitar companies. There is a lot, there is a big uh, like January launch coming from a ton of companies. Like it's, it feels exactly like the old NAM show launches. Now, NAM show is not until April, but in January, I mean, the amount of companies have reached out and said, Hey, we're launching whole lines of guitars. Are you interested in doing any videos? I was like, Oh my goodness, this is crazy. Um, but in that thing, I can't disclose. Um, when I said, I really liked the Paul Reed Smith SE, uh, uh, hollow body with, uh, the, uh, Piazzo system, Piazzo system. Um, I can't say there's anything cool coming, but, it would be really interesting if there was a more affordable version of that coming. I think that would be really, I think it would be interesting if there was. <laughs> Take from that what you will. I only say that to you guys so you know right now is uh, if you're, if I got you all excited, maybe I need a $1,500 Paul Reed Smith SE with a transducer pickup. I'm just saying I would, unless you got a deal, I would wait till January and see what's new and exciting from that. That's what I would do as friends. I'm telling you as a friend. Uh, hold on to that money. See what's happening. Uh, uh, let's see. Okay. Uh, so that was my long and hor- horrible answer to your Gibson question. Uh, the thank, uh, thank you, Fred, for the question. Sorry for the answer. Michael says, what is your third guitar? So I'm sure it's because I talked about my first guitar being the JV Player, my second one being Aria Pro. My third guitar is a story I do not want to tell. I will tell it. Some of you guys are going to say crap, but uh, hey, you know what? We were all young once, <laughs> and God bless it. You get to make all those mistakes, and you, and uh, it's awesome. So what was my third? <laughs> what was my third guitar? It was a 1970s Gibson Flying V <laughs> that I absolutely hated because it looked like an old dude's guitar. Um, so you got to understand we're talking about the time. So, so just to give you an example, obviously my first guitar, J player looked like a Strat, just it was a black Strat with a white pick guard. My second guitar was Aria Pro, which is kind of was a knockoff of a Jackson Charvel kind of guitar. And then through this trading thing I did with this kid, this kid traded me his, his guitar that he was given to him that he thought sucked. And it was a, a brownish, reddish brown wood colored Gibson flying V with case. And, uh, it was a real Gibson and it was uh, from the seventies and I absolutely hated it. Now I know what you're thinking. (laughs) What, what did you do with it? Oh, I couldn't wait to trade it off. (laughs) I hated it so much. It looked, like I said, every time I saw it, I was like, Oh, it looked like, like I said, it looked like, like this old dude's guitar. Uh, you know, who knew? I didn't know. I had no, no idea what I had or what it was. I didn't even, so you know, uh, and I've said this before, as I've, I've mentioned, I I grew up uh, the teen formative years, my teenage formative years in Tucson, Arizona, where essentially, uh, you know, brand name instruments were not a thing that you saw. I wasn't even really sure what Gibson was. Like, I can't even say at that age, uh, you know, 16 years old, uh, that I was like, in tune with Fender or Gibson as being a brand, any different than any other brand. To me, the only brands I really knew were 
the brands that were really big in Guitar World magazines, which are all the flashy looking guitars. So it was just not a, a thing. So to me, the Gibson guitars were just these old guitars. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I got it and I traded it off. What did I trade it for? I'm sure I traded it for some horrible, horrible, junky guitar. I can't even remember the guitar, uh, but I traded it for a guitar to some kid, some other kid. Same thing. Just couldn't get it. I think I told you this. Uh, maybe I didn't. Uh, I, uh, I I have a 1984 Tube Screamer uh, now, which is no big deal. They're, it's the same as any other Tube Screamer, as far as my opinion. But I remember um, a kid gave me a box of pedals, and um, one of the one of the pedals was this Tube Screamer pedal that I was like, oh, that's the pedal they're all talking about. And I remember plugging in the amp. I had no idea what to do with it, right? I didn't know you put it into a, an amp with already had gain. So I put it into my uh, Randall. I had a Randall, uh, uh, was it the RX100, R100? Anyways, it doesn't matter. Put it in the Randall, put it on the clean channel, stepped on the su- Tube Screamer. I feel like the word screamer. They were like, this is going to, this is going to be ferocious. And I was like, oh, this sounds like farts. <laughs> I was like, this just sounds like nothing because uh, it wasn't, you know, very distorted. And I was like, I could, and I just gave that away. I handed it to another kid and I said, here, just take that. I couldn't even, and I, cause here's why I didn't have any friends that would even want that pedal. So different, different times. So yeah, my third guitar was a, a Gibson, uh, uh, 70s V that I can't even remember what I traded for, but I'm pretty sure I traded it for a, some no name, no name guitar that, that I can't even remember. So there you go. Do I regret that? No. I mean, it would be cool now if I would have held on to it all these years, but no, it didn't have value then. So I guess that's just a, it's just a sign of the time of my life at that time. So there you go. All right. Uh, what, what's next? Next. Um, oh, somebody just put, uh, Alex two twelve twenty one twelve. 21, I better not mess that up. Alex, 2112, what could you be a fan of? I have no idea. Sounds so... I mean, I would think if I was going to guess, if the sign-on was Alex, 2112, you would have to be a Yes fan. That would be my guess. Anyways, as all the Rush fans start typing right now. Um, does anyone remember <laughs> Does anyone remember going to the Laser Light Show to see Rush and Yes? That is something I did a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so just just so you know it's I, I don't even think i can listen to rush or yes uh again because i used to watch it so much in that uh in that uh getting a contact high from everybody who smoked uh you know uh, snuck it in and um and uh, it was amazing and i think after this point i couldn't wa- i couldn't listen to that anymore because it was so great to ha- that experience but i used to go all the time anyways uh, his comment, Phil, your best guitar was your Alvarez Dana Scoop. That red guitar right behind me, I'm pointing at a red Alvarez Dana Scoop. Um, that guitar was my fifth guitar. So after I got the V, then for graduation, high school graduation, I got an Ibanez RG770, which was in laser blue, which looked green, which was weird, but laser blue. And then um, after that, I ended up getting the Dana Scoop, which is I still have. Out of all those guitars, the only one I have, Dana Scoop. So... Yep, Richard says, the Midnight Shows. Oh, yeah. You know, Ken, it says, the Pink, Fi- Pink Floyd Light Show. Never saw it. Isn't that funny? It seems like every time I went, it was the it was the rush with yes. Uh, they always did that combination is how I always did it. So, uh, man, did they still do that? Now I got to Google it after the show and find out if that's something I could do. I'll take, you know, maybe, maybe I need to relive my childhood. <laughs> 
<laughs> Go do it again. All right. Um, uh, Derek also wants everybody to know he also got offers from uh, Chicago Music Exchange for a big discount. Look, I, I definitely can see it. Uh, the market is definitely softer now, as we all talked about. Uh, and uh, they're definitely trying to move product. You can see it in this level. I, I, I say that because I know right now everybody's going to go, oh, but you don't understand, Phil. The world is crumbling as we speak. Look, I'm not saying any of that stuff. What I'm telling you is only what I can see, which is uh, that we are still there are as an industry, we're still selling a ton of guitars. They're still moving. It's crazy. Um, it's just not what it was. It's it's uh, it's definitely looks like how it looked towards 2019. Does that mean it won't continue to slow down? No, it doesn't mean anything like that. Um, but uh, it is it is slow, but also moving. So the reason I tell you that is because obviously it's a good time if you were looking at holding out for a piece of gear to, uh, to get a piece of gear. Um, I will tell you, I keep hearing from everyone everywhere across the United States that pretty much Guitar Center is not interested in a lot of trades and definitely not interested in buying any gear. They're all uh, loaded down. The interesting thing about that is, although a lot of people say that the Guitar Centers are really full, when you go look on Guitar Center used, I don't think, it doesn't appear to be bloated right now. So I don't know if they're, uh, they say they have too much used gear and they can't sell it is what I'm hearing constantly from people. And I wouldn't put a whole lot of uh, weight into just a comment that somebody said to me like that. I put weight into like when I get like a six or seven, which isn't a whole lot of comments, but they're all from different states and they don't know each other. It's a weird thing that they would all pick up on. So, um, uh, so like I said, um, good time to buy or it's going to be better soon to buy if you wait. So, there you go. So, um, yeah, and then, you know, you guys are talking about how low they, they low volume anyways. Yeah, it's usually bad, and then they won't even take that. Okay, uh, we have, uh, I think it's Natas Santana, N-A-T-A-S, Natas Santana, says, Music Nomad or Stu Mac Nut Files? That is a question I, 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 it's so hard. This has been the hardest question uh, for me. So I have both sets and there's something I like about both. And there's something I dislike about both sets. And the difference though, between the two sets is my Stu Max set of nut files is 20 years old. I mean, maybe, maybe 18 years old, but I mean, it's close to 20 years, close. So, I mean, I'm very familiar with the set. I, I've been using it still. You know what I mean? I, I like it. Uh, the Music Nomad set I really like. Um, and I want to say this, and, and again, this is just my... The reason I'm saying this is because I'm going to eventually make a video talking about these two sets. And I caution what I'm about to say right now is how I feel right now. But I'm, I'm continuing to experiment and try to come to a resolution that would be more helpful when I do the video. What I will tell you how I initially feel right now is I feel like the Music Nomad set is the perfect set for someone who is going to do the occasional work on a nut file. It's not because the files aren't good. They're they're qual as quality as the Stumac stuff. There's no question about quality either set. So if your question which one is to get it based on quality, both have quality. I, I have no issues with either one. It's the way that they they could the the music nomad did the those little yellow plastic holders 
are cool but also awkward sometimes. And I sometimes find myself pulling the file out of those cases and using the file by itself. And then I find myself wishing it was longer like the Stumac. And this is the problem I have. And this is where I have to caution you. I cannot figure out for the life of me is if having the file be longer is actually better or it's just I've been using a longer file for 20 years and the other file feels awkward. I've done a bunch of uh, nuts now with the Music Nomad stuff and everything came out fine and it was a very pleasant process. I just feel like every time I wish I had more more to grab onto, <laughs> right? I mean, I appreciate the handle on that yellow plastic handle, but I kind of feel like there's more to grab onto. So I want to say for sure, if if you're... If you've never owned a set of nut files, maybe go Music Nomad and just call it a day. The quality, the way that they're uh, in, put in the case is great. The Everything about it seems really cool. But if you've been using traditional nut files, I will tell you there's a little bit of an awkwardness. And, uh, and I just don't know. You know what I mean? How I feel about that yet. Uh, so I, I thought for sure at some point I would just jump ship and just use the music nomad stuff but like i said i have i did i've done even two videos where i was working on a nut in a video i was using the music nomad once and in the middle of that i switched over back to my music nomads again for no reason other than i just feel like i'm so used to what i was doing i wanted to go back to that so uh so there you go but um i will also as a side note because i don't know the price of each either one of them uh uh Whichever is cheaper, <laughs> do, do that. Because again, I don't have, a, and, and so, you know, I bought my Stu Mac ones, but Music Nomad sent me a set of those files. So that's how I have the files. They sent me a set, which was very nice. So, uh, you know, you'd think my loyalty would be very focused, like, hey, they gave me product and the other company didn't. But really, honestly, it's just, to me, it's about what the best tool is. And so for me, both have something cool to offer. But I hope that information helps you because it's, it's really tough. I would really think that maybe we should do a video or maybe a video or something where I can work with someone who's never worked with them before and see what they think too. Like I said, to see if that's, like I said, how much of it is just, a, you know, I'm an old dog and you can't teach me a new trick kind of thing. So. Okay, so. All right. Next question. What is it? From Derek who says, hey, Phil, I finally got here early. Think uh, TGI. TGIF. Thank goodness it's Friday. He says, can you explain coil splitting in series versus parallel in phase versus out of phase splitting versus tapping cats and dogs? No, just kidding. Uh, yeah, I can explain that stuff. Uh, and, and let me, let me run it through a couple. Oh, I wish I had a, a prop. <laughs> okay. So this is a question you get a lot, a whole lot. And, Instead of telling you what they do, let me tell you why you would want them. I find that is a better way to kind of explain anything, is what, why, what's the benefit or the drawback to having these things. So let's start with something as simple as series versus parallel, okay, with a pickup. Um, so, for instance, when you think of a humbucker in series, what you have, and I've said this before, let's just think about a very simple thing like a single coil pickup. I don't have a prop. <laughs> I'll use my Stumac toolkit. <laughs> I want you to think of this as a single coil pickup. Visually, right now I'm holding up a thing that just looks like a single coil pickup shape, like a P90. Um, what you always picture is two wires coming off it. I've explained this before. There's only one wire on a pickup, 
okay? You take the wire and you wrap it around the pickup. And when you're done, the wire, there's the end of the wire is the ground and the start of the wire is the hot. So what looks like a hot and a ground is really the start and the end of the wire because it's wrapped around a coil, right? So essentially what you have, if you have two single coils, like what you have in a Strat, uh, or a, uh, a Telecaster, and a Telecaster is the perfect example for this, is you have two single coils in a Telecaster, the bridge and the neck, and each one have a start and a end to, you know, to the wire. In other words, uh, hot and a ground because it's the start of the coil and the end of the coil of the, of the wire that's wrapped around the coil. Hope this is all making sense. Those two pickups, if you go to the middle position on a Telecaster, those pickups will be in parallel because there is two individual coils that are individually wrapped with one wire with a start and an end. A humbucker, even though that's two pickups, a humbucker would be two pickups, but the start of the wire would start on one pickup, and when it ends, it would go to the start of the next pickup, and then you see how it works? It's in series. They're they're wrapped around one, and then continues wrapped around the other one, and comes out. So, that's very general. We don't need to focus on that. So some of you guys got that. Some of you guys probably didn't get that. That doesn't matter. What matters is what comes next. A two single coil pickups wired in series will be louder and more powerful because they are in series. You're, you're doubling the, <clears throat> essentially you're doubling the, uh, well, I don't want to say doubling. You're increasing the capacitance, right? You're increasing everything. It's more. That's the best way to think of it. When you have two individual single coils that are run in parallel, they are both on and they are both noiseless in most cases, okay? But they are not more. They're just going to sound like two single coils on versus a humbucker, which is fuller sounding. That is the best way. So why would you want that? That's a, a, a perfect example. You know why. Two single coils and a telly, the two singles in the middle position, think of the telly, how that sounds versus how it sounds if you just had one humbucker. So the difference between the parallel and the, the series and the parallel is exactly that. A series pickup will have that feeling. So uh, of, of a more powerful, fuller sounding, more lows, more, more, more uh, output. And so if you had a humbucker and you use like a triple shot by Seymour Duncan, which I've done videos on, where you can switch the pickup to, you know, series or parallel, why would you do that? For that same reason, in series, you'd have a full humbucker in parallel, you'd have two single coils. So you'd have a noiseless kind of sound, but you'd also have a a thinner sound, maybe more mids and more uh, highs and less of that fullness. And definitely the amp would not be pushing as hard. So that would be one of the advantages of that. Another reason uh, why we want to uh, run pickups in parallel is uh, Ibanez is notorious for doing this uh, with a uh, with a bunch of pickups where they'll, they'll take two humbuckers and in one position it goes to two single coils that are in parallel because it gives you kind of like a a thinner sounding uh, guitar, but it's it's noiseless still, which would be great. So that's the advantage of parallel. So parallel is basically advantage of noiseless, but thinner sounding. So that's why you would do that. And again, all that can be done with just how you connect those, those leads off those pickups. Then we're going to talk about uh, splitting versus tapping. So you don't see a whole lot of pack pickups tapped anymore. So let's talk about splitting a pickup. Splitting is exactly what I talked about. You have a humbucker and you have uh, two coils and they're in series. And when you split one, what you're doing is you're turning one of them off. 
Okay, that's the best way to put that. So of course, if you turn off one of the coils on a humbucker, you're a single coil. So you have a strat. So why would you want to do that? Absolutely for that same reason. You want a humbucker that sounds like a single coil. You hit a switch. We can explain. I have tons of videos explaining how it's done. It's done by just grounding out things, but it doesn't matter how it's done. What it matters is why you'd want it. So splitting a pickup would essentially give you a a uh, single coil tone, you would get the 60 cycle hum because the other coil is being defeated. In other words, it's not in, in it's not engaged anymore. So you're back to 60 cycle hum, you're back to strati type tones. That's splitting. Tapping is where, like I said, you have one wire wrapped around a coil and it starts, right? You start the wire and at the end is the, is the ground. That's the end. Uh, tapping is where they would wrap the pickup about halfway and then basically tap that spot with another wire and then continue the wrap. So if you were to uh, use a, uh, a switch to, to uh, tap it instead of coil split, you would flip the switch and what would happen is you would go to half the windings. So that's basically what you're doing. You're tapping into half. Again, half is not exact terms, but it makes a lot of sense. So in other words, if you have a pickup that has 4,000, well, I'll say 5,000, 6,000, 5,000, 5,000 winds of a wire, uh, you would essentially be able to cut that into 3,000 winds of a wire, and it would do exactly what you would imagine it would do, right? It'd be less powerful than it was before. So that's the idea of that, and those are numbers are not exact because there's different ways to do that, but the why would you want that? Well, it's because let's say you have a hot pickup, and you're playing your amp, and you want it to basically go to a weaker sounding pickup. It'd be like almost like if I had the ability to swap a, a 5K single coil uh, or 6K single coil down to a 5K. Think about it that way, right? Super, super easy. Uh, so that's why you would want that. They don't do that much anymore because it's uh, it's not complicated. It's just a pain in the ass to wire up the pickup that way. It's not very cost effective. There's not a lot of people looking for that. And you can simulate that. It's not the same thing. I just don't want the nerds to go crazy. With just rolling your volume back, I mean, obviously, just cutting the the amount of signal that's going to the amp is going to simulate that kind of same effect. It's just not as super easy as just hitting a switch. Um, then we have phase and out of phase. That's a little trickier, and so I'm going to give you a very generic uh, exp- explanation of that phase and out of phase. Uh, first of all, the simple part is when I said a pickup, a single coil pickup, is one wire right? It's the start and then it wraps around the coil and then it comes off and that's the end. Well, obviously when it starts, it's, it's wrapped around on top of itself. So imagine 5,000 wraps at the end, the wire would be from the outside of the coil and the start would be in the inside because we wrapped 5,000 wraps around the, where the wire started. I hope that makes sense. So essentially, uh, Switching the phase of the pickup is as simple as taking the end of the wire and the start of the wire and flipping them so that your signal is now going from the outside of the pickup of the wire and the signal is then goes to the inside and then out. That's one way to flip the phase in which it works. That is really generic, but it will get you there. And why does that matter? It doesn't really, it, it, it's a very, very subtle difference and thinning out the pickup sound, very subtle, okay? And also, also, uh, 
it has a big difference if you have multiple pickups, like two pickups in the guitar and you, and you, you need to make sure they're in or out of phase of each other for those tones. And I've already said this, it's really simple. All you have to know is this, if two pickups are out of phase with each other, they're going to sound like this. They always have this nasal kind of cocked wah sound. And that's how you can tell. <laughs> you, you don't have to guess. Like if your pickups are wired out of phase and, uh, you know, are in phase, you can tell, uh, uh sound wise. Again, that's basically the general idea of those things. Um, I have videos where I go through that stuff over the years and maybe I'll do a, a, an all in one inclusive video with all those terms and stuff and with illustrations. I don't, I don't really know, but I like to talk about it. Like I said, not so much in the technical sense, but in the why you'd use it sense. We'll be right back. But you still loading them and heating them up with all your single shit you've been dropping. You feel me? Loading them up on it. It only takes structure. And, and, you know, just paying attention to the climate of the game. Yeah. Know what I mean? So do do your homies uh got a role in your, in your little, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. We all, we all artists over here, man. I'm trying, already? Yeah, oh, I'm yeah. trying, I'm trying, I'm oh, trying, yeah. I'm trying to get them on there. Yeah. 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 Hey, yeah. You feel me? We gonna have this like, bro. Me and my man, like me and my man Kai, we be like, I don't know. We play, we play with this <laughs> shit. Right now. With this I gotta lie, we play with this shit right now for real. For oh, I gotta lie. Play don't it, play with it. Nah. Take that shit serious. By the way, there are a thousand things on top of that, and how you can manipulate the sounds in a pickup. But those are the basics. Uh, Brandon's question says, when will the big U.S. brands begin to allow their foreign budget models <laughs> to equal, uh, equal specifications and quality as their USA made models? Uh, will that signal the end of the USA made guitars? Uh, you know, look, we know it's a slow moving, uh, change, but we see it constantly. We see exactly what you're asking. You're saying, Hey, look, there's the, the manufacturers. I always said this is a rig game. You take a, I take a, uh, uh, a a guitar, and I'll use Paul Smith as a perfect example. You take their core guitar and all of the features that come on the core, and, and some of those are aesthetic features, like a like a quality, you know, uh, quarter inch or it's half inch to quarter inch because uh, it's carved half inch uh, maple top, and so you know a one piece, uh, you know, quarter sawn mahogany neck, you know, without the scarf joint. You take those features and. Then they make the SEs and the SEs are very good and they're very, but they're not made to the same standards, same qualities as those guitars. And I, and I say that loosely because I, I think I'm using Paul Smith because I think they've made the most ground in fixing that and changing things. The SE that they made 20 years ago is not the SE they make now. And I don't know if they've been around 20 years. It's been close to that, right? Uh, I don't know if they're ready for the 20th anniversary of the SEs. They might be. I know that they're about to have the 10 year anniversary of the S2s. Think about that. 2013 is when the S2s came. So um, anyways, uh, but basically, uh, basically, they have made the SEs more and more like the core guitars each year or each every couple years. You see a lot of companies doing that more and more. And, and, and I agree with where Brandon's sentiment is in this question, which is, yes, what would happen if a company fully went out and said, equal, equal specifications. To me, the closest manufacturer that does it the closest is Fender with the Made in Mexico, Made in USA Strats. Those guitars are really, really close. And they are so close, they really lead me to believe that it would not matter, that people would still buy Made in USA product 
because of national pride, collectability, the I always wanted it, <laughs> the my friend says that I'm not cool until I have that. I mean, those things factor in, right? I mean, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, it was a really tough thing when I would sell fenders to customers, especially guitar players that were newer who were like, they'd ask that basic of all questions. What is the difference between a made Mexico Strat and a, and a made in USA Strat? And they would be on the wall. And Fender even had a training manual, which I still have today, <laughs> to kind of taught you how to explain it to the customers. And I didn't use that manual. What I would tell people is this. If you're looking for quality, that is your focus. You want a quality instrument. There's nothing wrong with the made in Mexico guitar. It is going to be a quality instrument. Even now, when we kind of talk about the fact that they, I think their quality slipped a little bit over the last year or two, hey, look, all that can be fixed in post, so to speak. It can be fixed on my bench, on any text bench. The quality of that instrument is there. So if you buy a Made in Mexico Strat, in realistically, in most realistic standards, standards, there is no real reason that you would go, oh, no, this guitar is horrible and I can't play this gig. I mean... Musicians gig with it, professional musicians gig with it, famous musicians gig with it, people are working with it every day. Uh, it is a workhorse of a guitar. It is fine, whether that's a made in Mexico Strat or Tele. It's a fantastic instrument. So I would say, look, if that's the focus, in other words, set the standard. The standard for you is you're just looking for a quality instrument. This is it. No brainer. However, if you feel like you're ever going to get to a point in your life where you're like, I always wanted the made in America one, Made in the USA, you might consider just pulling the trigger and doing that now because that's two purchases, right? You're going to buy the Made in Mexico, then you're going to have to sell it, and then you're going to have to buy the Made in USA. So I always tell them the real justification for the Made in USA was always just because you just wanted it or you think you might want it at some point. And that's how we would sell them. And so, you know, that that is that is watching you guys buy uh, guitars over the years I would and talking to guitar players for, you know, 10 to 12 hours a day, seven days a week, you learn that there is a lot of, you know, hey, this is something I always wanted. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's, a, it's no different than when you buy a car and you opt for the leather seats and you opt for the, or the heated seats or the other features or the other things or your premium. Look, we work hard and sometimes you want to feel, you want that feeling of accomplishment. And sometimes a guitar is no different than that. Although it's a musical instrument, it's a tool, it's a piece of art, it's a functional thing. It's a, no different than anything else. Sometimes it's just as simple as I just really want to own this thing and that's enough. But like I said, when I think of companies who are giving you what I think is legitimate product uh, for the price. It's definitely Fender, the made Mexico stuff is legitimate. There's no thing, nothing wrong with that. Same thing, I feel the same way. I feel the same way about Epiphone, so you know, for the most part. Um, and I feel the same way about Paul Reed Smith SEs, that I feel like the quality is there. I don't really f feel like uh, there's a, you know, if you buy, if somebody buys a Paul Reed Smith SE, let's say a, uh, the Silver Sky SE, you buy a Silver Sky SE, I, barring that you got one bad example, because that, and, and we'll insert that into any brand at any price point. I think you could buy that guitar and you could gig with it. You could play with it. There's nothing wrong with it. It's a fantastic instrument. So the upgrade is essentially a little bit more. And, and that's a sad thing. And I actually used this analogy once with a customer. I'll use it with you guys today. And I, I said, you know, when you make uh, race cars, 
because you know I'm very versed in race cars. <laughs> but I understand this is I understand this concept, so I just want to share with you. When you make a race car, when you're in a race, when these whether it's a NASCAR or whether it's a, the Indy 500 or whatever, when you make a race car, the car that last little bit of speed sometimes can cost the most. In other words, achieving that last 1% improvement, that last 5% improvement can have an exponential price to it. I feel like guitars are that way too. So when somebody says in the same statement, if I was to tell you that I think you could buy a main Mexico Strat and it's a quality instrument and it's fantastic, I agree with you. And if somebody said, but I think the made in the USA one's better, I agree with you as well but I think it's slightly better and you have to pay a lot for that slightly better. And guess what? If you have the means to do so and you want to, do it. You earned it. <laughs> Take a lap. Enjoy it. If you, and again, I've said this before, I, again, this is the psychology of when you sell stuff to people and you learn how people think when their money is on the table. There is, I have found, and I like this, I use this term a lot, people's comfort is way more, way more comes into play than their physical physical ability to spend money. In other words, whether somebody has the cash in their wallet is not the determining factor when they purchase. Some people just need to feel it justified in the purchase. It's a comfort thing. For example, I've said this before, I could sell all these guitars, or just a bunch of them, and buy a Paul Reed Smith private stock. I would not be happy. I would be miserable. Not because I only have one guitar and I need a bunch of guitars. It's because I don't want a guitar that costs 12 grand. I don't need that feeling. That's not comfortable to me. That's when I start worrying, right? I don't want to own furniture in my house that I have to worry if somebody comes over and their kids are over and they bumped into it. I don't want to stress about that. So that's a comfort. And so I buy the nicest thing I, I can that still allows me to feel comfortable with it. So like I said, same with guitars. I like to own a guitar that if I dinged it, I'm not, I'm not, that's my only thought. I, I want to enjoy things and play things. Remember, I buy these because I want to play them. I think you should buy guitars because you want to play them. I don't want to feel like they're encapsulated in a museum. And so that's why I learned that sometimes you have to, your price points are more of a comfort zone than they are a physical limit to your ability to spend. Sometimes it is a physical limit of your ability to spend. But a lot of times, like I said, I'd watch people go flat out saying, you know, I'll just buy this guitar because it's good enough and... I can enjoy it and play it. And, uh, and, uh, I think I, I just recently told you guys this story and I'll, I'll cap off that, that's that statement with this. I just recently had a base made because I'm going to be doing some more gigging and the Warwick that I had made is cost so much and inflation has gotten so crazy that there's just no way I'm going to justify buying another one. And I don't want to take it anywhere and I don't want to lose it. And I don't want it to get stolen. And I don't want it to get damaged. I've already dinged it a couple of times, which I'm okay with, but I don't want it to get damaged. So I'm like, you know what? I need something that I can not worry about because I'm not going to have fun at a gig because I told you most time if I gig, it's a standing kind of thing. I show up, I play with the band or my friends, and then I kind of leave. I don't want to feel like I can't, you know, I can't, I got to like have an armed security guard standing next to my instrument. And this, that's not going to, that's not going to be fun for me. <laughs> so I need, you know, I need to have fun. So, all right. Uh, so to answer Brandon's question is, uh, will, uh, would, uh, if the brands basically make the same exact guitars overseas or more affordably instruments made instruments exactly like the USA counterparts, would that kill the USA counterparts? Would that be the end? I don't believe so. 
Would it affect some of their sales? Sure, of course, it could definitely have an effect, but I don't think so. I think that people are always going to want premium. I think there are a thousand examples of when people will pay premium when they don't have to because they have the means or because they want. I mean, sometimes, like I said, sometimes it's an ego thing. I've said this before. My ego thing is I like to have a guitar that no one has. Not a guitar that no one can afford. That's actually would be cooler of me, even if it was an expensive guitar. I don't want a guitar like my Charvel that's custom painted or that Nags I got. It's because it's very unique guitar, that paint shop. I want to, when I'm talking to somebody and they say, oh, that's a cool guitar. I don't want them to go, oh yeah, it's a crazy expensive guitar and you can't afford it. I want to go like, I got this made because of a friend of mine, or I got this as one of the limited edition this, or I happen to find one of these and you can't find them anymore. I like having something unique. It To me, it's as a guitar player, as a guitar collector, as a guitar enthusiast, as uh, it's, it's a story that I can tell someone that's not like, oh, I found it in the discount bin, <laughs> right? That's a story I like to tell when I tell a pedal story. Like, hey, I got this pedal and are like, hey, this is a pedal I got. Um, this actually, funny, it's just sitting here. Uh, this is a pedal I was in Tucson uh, last year. And uh, I went to Rainbow Guitars and on the way back, we stopped at a guitar center and they had this love pedal. Uh, I, th- I think it's called the Joker Boost because uh, it's got the name Joker on it, but it's a boost pedal. And it was uh, at Guitar Center. I always thought they were kind of cool looking uh, I have never heard it, and it was about $30 less than I'd seen them on Reverb, so I bought it. That's my story. I got it on a discount without even trying it. The guy's like, hey, you want to check it out? And I go, nah, I'm buying because it it's on sale. Because <laughs> look, it's cool looking. <laughs> it's a cool looking pedal. So I make that kind of decision, but I wouldn't do that for a guitar. Guitar has got to be more of a personal thing for me. So really, yeah, <laughs> Brian says Harley Quinn. That's exactly why I got it. I thought it was cool. Harley Quinn, it's got the Joker on there. It actually is a really good boost. I'm a love pedal fan, so I couldn't imagine they would make a bad. Uh, Sean says they're going to get sued. Uh, I don't think they make it anymore. So, you know, so I, I don't know. Who knows? Um, okay uh, I'm just reading some comments to see if there's anything on the subject I'm talking about <laughs> um, I'm just like uh, John says imagine if you had whatever guitar and Steve I damaged it and it gives it more value because Steve I uh authenticated the damage. Um, I, I don't know exactly where that statement lands up, but I do, I think every cool guitar has a cool guitar story. And, you know, and that is different than just the guitar I play that I like. Um, like I said, I'm an SG freak. I like SGs. It took me forever to land on them to find out I love them. And now that I, I do, I play them all the time. They got to be, in my opinion, no offense to another SG fan that loves them. I think it's ugly and I think it's boring. <laughs> and I find that that's most of the case when I tell people like, oh, there's my SG. And they're like, cool. <laughs> but that's the guitar I want to play. So I like having that. But I also like having a guitar like that's a little fun like to tell about. Um, and back to your question or your thing about a story. Of course, like I said, I always talk about my, well, I've talked about it once before. I know it's an old video, but my uh, uh, Alvarez Scoop guitar was stolen and I got it back. And that's a crazy story sometimes and how I 
how I got it back. <laughs> so I <laughs> tricked the guy who stole it from me <laughs> into giving it back. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was kind of, it's kind of cool. Um, all right. Uh, let's see. Mike says, coming from an SG guy, I can feel your pain. Yeah. Like I said, it's, it's, uh, Michael says, did you just say the SG is ugly? You know, maybe I went too far with the ugly statement. I think it's just because it's, I want to say underwhelming. It's an underwhelming guitar. It's a plank of wood for the most part. The ones I have are very basic. Like that's a black one. I don't know. I'm pointing at a black one. That one's a black one. And then that one's, you know, the red. And then I have the sunburst, which I think is the most interesting one of the ones I have. Um, The green one's kind of cool too, but the green one's going to go. There's probably a video on that. If I don't make a video, I'll at least talk about it once on the live show. Why? why the green one's going and the black one's the replacement. Okay. <laughs> Sean, I'm going to answer this question. If Joe Bonamassa sold all his guitars and started playing PRS, do you think he would still sell out shows? No, no way. You think people go to see Joe Bonamassa and hear his music and his guitar playing? They just go to see vintage guitars. Uh, in fact, I think he sells out the front row just from people to drool over his vintage guitars. Okay, now that the joke's out of the way and I've triggered anybody I can, uh, I think if Joe Bonamassa, uh, Joe Bonamassa would be one of the guys that if he would to, to go to a brand, he would land a brand. And, uh, and I don't know if that's the way I'm saying it's going to make a lot of sense. So let me give it to you this way. John Petrucci pretty much made Music Man. I mean, obviously, Eddie Van Halen made it first, but he makes Music Man. I mean, John Mayer has done crazy things for Paul Reed Smith. Uh, Steve I and Ibanez. There are great guitar players, and there are great guitar players that can sell guitars. And the guitar players that can sell guitars are a unique bunch, and especially the ones that can sell expensive guitars. They just have this ability to incite other gear, gear freaks into buying guitars. And Steve I is definitely one. And I think Joe Bonamassa would be one too. Obviously he does really well with the Epiphones and the Gibsons he does. But I think if he would to merge up with a brand, uh, PRS maybe, sure. But I mean, I think like if he was to pick another brand, like he could literally, because you got to understand like, like what John Mayer did for PRS was huge. It's a huge improvement to the company and the volume of sales. So you can see it. You can see it's, you know, he, it was a great a cooperative agreement between those two uh, brands, the John Mayer uh, uh, PRS thing. The the John Petrucci to Music Man was a huge thing. Um, and you can see it. And obviously Steve I with Ivan is, and, and, and I'm not discounting any of the players with all those brands, but you understand those guys really changed the game for a lot of those brands. I think Joe Bonamash is one of the few guitar players that could do it, could literally pick a brand that's not huge like Gibson and literally put them on the map, not to the Gibson level, but do the same thing that John did. Uh, both the Johns did for music man and for PRS. He could put them on there uh, as huge. I don't know who the brand would be, but like heritage guitars, right? I mean, he could probably put heritage on a new level because he, he's a gear geek. And I think that's, I think that's part of that equation. See, because I've learned this over the years. There's guitar players that are great and they sell signature guitars. But then there are guitar players, like I said, that sell an insane amount of signature guitars. And the one thing they have, besides a ton of other things, is they tend to be a gear geek too, a guitar geek. And 
uh, I think guitar enthusiasts are drawn to other guitar enthusiasts, a la why there's you know, a thousand of you hanging out with me every week. Uh, <laughs> but um, I think that's exactly what uh, Bonamassa could do, is put a, a mid-sized brand on a bigger level them up. Uh, somebody said, uh, PW says, Reverend, sure, of course. Like I said, it would have to be something like, Petrucci with Music Man makes sense. Uh, you know, uh, Vi with Ibanez makes sense. And he would have to do, he would have to do what they do. Because one of the things that those guys do that I mentioned is they actually play those guitars. I don't mean the brand. They play the guitars you, you know, you get. And that really adds the credibility. You know, when you see John Mayer, he's got the Silver Sky. Sure, he'll pull out those old Strats. He'll pull out a Jackson. He'll pull out other things out too all the time. But the Silver Sky is a predominant instrument in his hands. Um, and same thing with Petrucci. You see him, it's only Music Man, you know, uh, you know, Petrucci guitars. When you see Vi, it's always a gem. I mean, and when I say always, it's nine out of 10 times. That's enough times. So, so literally I think he's one of those guys that could level up a brand for sure. Um, and if he went to PRS, it would definitely help PRS. But I think he, I think in the PRS artist roster, he, it might be crowded space for him now, you know, I think he would be better off. Like I say, I think heritage, right? That's the question for you guys. Who who would be the brand you'd want to see Bonamassa with? Same with somebody like Slash. Slash left Gibson. I think Slash could level up BC Rich if they wanted to rebrand and launch BC Rich as a new thing. I think he'd probably level them up too. So there you go. All right. Um... Let's see. Should we take a second? We'll talk a second. And uh, I thought this would be a fun thing to do. Uh, I actually, it kind of came as an inspiration for my wife as an idea. Um, what I did is I did a survey this week. And I thought what I'm going to do from now on is do surveys and survey you guys on the main YouTube channel. And then we'll talk about them uh, during the live shows every week, the podcast. So let me go to it. Maybe if I can find it. Ah, here it is. Okay, so you guys can see this. So I asked a question this week. It was four days ago. I said, guitar companies promote and advertise a lot, but what guitar companies promote or advertise how well they treat their employees the best? 3,800 of you voted. 68%, definitely the overwhelming majority, voted for PRS. 6% Fender, 4% Gibson, which is the least. Taylor, of course, the second most at 14%. Martin, 8%. And of course, there was 114 comments. And... Um, we could probably even, let's do that. Let's see if we can read some of the comments. Can I sort these by the top comment? So that should be the most thumbed up. And of course, now it's thinking. Because <laughs> I made it just do something it's already doing. I can read it, so let me read it. It was Paul Cook, and he said, I wouldn't say any of them advertise employee welfare, but PRS staff seems to be happy and motivated when they're shown in videos. That's an interesting comment. And he says, and when it... And we see seem to see more of them featured doing little speaky presenty bits in corporate videos and launches, just the marketing department, etc. Um, so that gives me an impression PRS recognizes and values and trusts their employees. Uh, pretty interesting. Um, so that that uh, the main comments I would say, and I'm going to be a little generic without this. Let me refresh this. Um, the main comments that I saw in that survey were. Mostly you guys saying you hadn't heard any of those, com uh, com uh, you know, going to advertise that. Um, there was a couple comments that really went to the effect of, you know, you talked about other companies, why those companies, look, they only give me like 
four slots, five slots for a survey. <laughs> I would love to do a survey of 10 or 20, but that's how many slots they give you when you do the survey, you get five. So I picked the five biggest companies that not only the big brands, but I thought the ones that would be most, you know, predominant in the, uh, you know, in, in your mind and out there. What's interesting to me was I predicted Taylor would win because Taylor did that thing in 2021 where they pretty much handed over the ownership of the company pretty much to the employees. I'm paraphrasing, but that's, and there was a lot of comments saying that they, you guys had heard that. Um, it was interesting to me that PRS got number one. It was actually interesting to me that, believe it or not, Gibson, even though Gibson and Fender considerably lost by percentage wise, that Gibson did worse than Fender, even though Fender did layoffs. I thought that was interesting, but that's, you know, that's fine. Um, but the overwhelming majority of you basically didn't care. Like not, you didn't seem to care. Uh, that was the, the census of the comments was who cares how a company treats the employees. Now there is, I will tell you, cause we're gonna do, like I said, one of these uh, every week, it just like here, you know, short, sweet, just tell you what you guys think. This is the community that's watching this show. This is what the community thinks. However, that question was loaded and here's why it was loaded. It was loaded from a conversation I had with the guitar company or a person, I should say, at a guitar company who said that customers, guitar players don't care how well uh, plays are treated. Uh, it's not something that factors into their purchasing decisions. And therefore, that is why, and I can't disclose the company, but that's why that company and other companies export so many jobs to the overseas because there is no outrage for it because who cares? <laughs> now, I thought that was a little harsh of a statement. I understand where he was coming from. He definitely wasn't a mean-spirited person. He was basically just talking, matter of fact, like, hey, my job at this company is to make sure the customers are happy and these are the things they care about and these are the things they don't. And he said that generally speaking, you guys as a whole guitar community doesn't care about how an employee is treated at a company, whether that means their benefit package or you know whether they get free donuts on Friday or whatever. And the census that I got from that survey was, yeah, I would say that would be generally correct, <laughs> that the majority didn't seem to engage with that as a factor of, of why. So I just thought I'd share that with you. This isn't an indictment, of course, like, oh, why you guys should really care. I mean, look, it's, it's, everybody's gonna have the reasons for their thinking and that's, that's and I like that we all think differently. Um, uh, my personal thing was I wanted to, I was curious. I would like to do that survey again. I won't do it next week, but I'll do it again with other companies to see how you guys think. Also to see, I wanted to see in that, uh, in that question, the question was not who treats the employees the best, but who advertises it the best. I would agree with you guys. I think when it comes to a company putting out the message that their employees are somehow connected or part of the company or treated well, it would be Paul Smith Guitars. And that's an interesting thing because I would say that there would be no discussion from the other brands as a whole, even though I think Taylor did some cool stuff, that one thing got out there. And other than that, I don't really see them discussing that is a statement um, of, you know, like why you should do business with them. It's like, hey, we this is what we do for our employees. So just thought that was interesting. Uh, I'll do more. If you guys have suggestions for surveys, uh, you can please put them in the comments and stuff. I think it'll be cool to pull this stuff. And again, for a conversation. Um, and also, this is also sometimes could be video ideas for me to do a video about a subject. Um, the 
you know, there you go. Um, so I'm just reading some of the comments. Okay. All right. Uh, like I said, I just want to share with that. Let me know if you guys like this idea of just doing, a, you know, stuff. It's more just to get more cool subjects and talk about cool things or different things and try to try to keep that. I'll try to keep them more guitar centric, but that, that subject came up and it looked like it was a perfect time for that subject. Uh, let's go ahead and do another question. We have Brian who says, Hey, can you recommend a humbucker single, single set of pickups for my Sterling CT 50? Is it best to buy as a set or is it easy enough to piece together mostly for hard rock? Well, it's going to be cheaper to piece it together. I find when you buy sets, you think it's cheaper, but it's generally not. And definitely if you buy any kind of loaded pick cards and stuff on that guitar, I don't know if I would really worry about buying all the components, maybe just buy the pick card, the pickups. Um, the suggestion to you is this. I mean, obviously the general rule for most people is to buy the same brand. So if you buy Seymour Duncan, you're going to buy Seymour Duncan pickups, DiMarzio, Bare Knuckles, you name it, uh, buy those pickups. Um, these questions are always tough because you're asking me a question like, you know, what, what pickups should you get? But I don't know what style of music you play. I don't know what kind of amp you have. I don't know what you're looking for. And all these things are going to be, uh, uh, different. What I would say is one of the benefits also to buying them piecemeal versus a set is if you buy a set and you don't like it, you might be stuck with them. Where if you change out something, I would start with, I wouldn't even worry about changing out all the pickups. What I would say is pick the pickup that you, maybe it's the humbucker or is the neck. It's usually the, one of those two. That's the middle's not usually a problem. The humbucker, the neck. Do you like, what do you like? Which one do you like the least of those two? And then I would replace that one and start there with something simple and then build off that one pickup because pickups do complement each other. So in other words, buy a new humbucker. Once you like your humbucker, then it's pretty easy road to go down because it's very easy to find information about what neck pickups complement what bridge pickups, whether that's a single wheel to humbucker, 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 you name it. So uh, that's what I would suggest. And same thing, you can work backwards if you go, hey, I want to re replace the neck pickup. Same thing, replace the neck pickup. And then if you like it, once you know you're happy, then try to find a pickup that complements that pickup. And that's what I would suggest. And uh, there you go. Start there. Litvay says, new guitar day. New Warren Epiphone Casino bridge rattles. Any advice? I have a video on if you have bridge rattles. Uh, and uh, you can use wax to fix that. You can use some Loctite to fix that. The Loctite, if you use Loctite for bridge rattles, you need the low oh so loctite comes in different uh different levels like there's high strength uh, uh super strength medium strength you want the one that specifically says low strength for vibrations okay i think it's black they usually different come in different colors like some are blue and some are red i think that one is in black you can find that on the old amazon if you want to give the amazon your business otherwise if you have a local store you can do that um you can buy off brands of loctite i don't really care you can find the equivalent of the loctite brand uh product that you just again it has to say low strength because it flat out is uh here's why i used i use that specifically because of the fact that it does exactly that. It stops rattling. Okay. It's for, specifically for vibration. I mean, that's what they use it for. Like if you're going to use it for a mechanical sense outside of guitars, a lot of mechanics would use it for things that might vibrate over time and shake and then come loose from that. And they just want, they don't, and it's something you need to get access to quite often. You do not want to lock tight down something that you want to, you know, get access to often. So I would get a bottle of Loctite, get the smallest bottle. It'll go a long way. If you get one of those little tubes of it, it's going to look like 
a little teeny, like one of those travel toothpaste tubes, size tubes, uh, probably cost you 10 bucks and last you 10 years because <laughs> you're not going to use a lot of it. Uh, and you can use that f- for sure, for show, use that one. So Loctite, low strength or the equivalent brand, but it's got to say low strength. And it will specifically say on the packaging for vibration, right? And it will tell you that it's exactly that's what it's for is to basically help you, uh, uh, you know, keep things from rattling, but not lock it down to where you have problems because you need to be able to maintain that stuff. You never want to, as someone who works on this stuff, I never want to be in a situation where I'm spending time, uh, uh, you don't want to spend time, you know, basically trying to break seals and do stuff like that. It's just too much time spent. So there you go. Uh, somebody says JB will same thing. There's all kinds of materials, but definitely use something that says low strength for vibrations. Trust me. That's so they're all, they're all different levels. You're going to find the medium strength the most. And then the heavy strength don't use any of those. It's, uh, it's not like it's cheaper to buy those or more expensive the other way around. Just do the low strength for vibration. Craig says, Hey, Phil thoughts on the black star ST St. James 606 combo. I've never tried it. I'm thinking of selling my Mesa F50 to save my back but worried I'll regret it. Well, your back won't regret it. (laughs) Uh, You know, the sad thing is, is this is the tough part. And I get a little nervous because I think your currency says AUD, which I think is that Australian. So you guys get screwed, right? All your prices are like nuts. Every, all I know about Australia is your toilets go in a different direction. And apparently your prices go insane because everyone, whatever I say is a price on a video, I can always tell somebody's from Australia. If, uh, it says $9 here, it's $6,000. That's how I know. I don't even need to see anything. I'll know you're from Australia. As soon as it says that, like if I say, Hey, this guitar is three ninety nine, I go three ninety nine. here. It's $5,900. It's like, I, I believe you guys. I know it's true. I'm just like, I'm always in shock. Like what? That doesn't even make any sense. You could just, I always feel like, can't you just get on a plane and fly? I know there's rules and all that stuff. I've had explained to me from friends that are in Australia, but I was like, I just get on a plane and go somewhere at that price. Anyways, uh, here's the thing. It's tough. Here's my best suggestion for you. Do, if you can, anything you can, everything you can to get the Black Star St. James 6L6 combo and keep your Mesa Pogi and then make that decision. You know, that's the benefit of the new world. If you can do it, if you can buy the Black Star and try it. Should you do it? Sure. Would you regret it? Will you regret it if you get rid of the Mesa Boogie and then decide you don't like the, the Black Star? Yes. If you have to sell the Black Star, or sorry, if you have to sell the Mesa Boogie to make the purchase of the Mesa F150, F50, F150, F50, yeah, it's, I would be cautious on that. Why? Because Although the Mace is a, a heavy, heavy amp, it's a lifetime amp. It's a quality amplifier. The Blackstar uh, product, as I said before, some people hate it. Some people love it. My stance on it is it is priced usually in the idea of like Ikea furniture, right? I mean, you know, if you buy Ikea furniture and you think you're going to buy a lifetime piece of furniture, you might get a lifetime out of it, but that would be the rarity of it, right? You're not buying a piece. You're not buying an Ikea chair because you're going to you're going to give this to your great great grandkids, okay? Um, and the same thing about when I look at stuff like Blackstar. Some people have a harsh, uh, uh, you know, harsh feeling towards it. I don't. Uh, my feeling is exactly that. It's it's. I think it sounds good. I like it. Is it great? I don't know about that, but it's good. I've I've owned a bunch of it. I used a bunch of it. 
if it broke, I would understand because it's priced accordingly. Um, so you are taking a step down in what I think is going to be longevity quality. So, uh, so, uh, that's what my suggestion is, uh, on your back. Um, keep in mind, there's other solutions, right? You know, if your back's a problem, maybe, you know, you don't need to take the Mesa or the black star with you to a gig. That's why they have, you know, a Katana. I mean, that's the whole point of that stuff, right? I I've said this before. I'll say it again. I I'll say it over and over again, over and over again, forever and ever. We'll be saying it for the next 10 years. Uh, gear is not for the audience. It's for the musician. It's a tool that you use that inspires you, that gives you motivation, that makes you happy. And then that translates to the audience. Um, you know, sometimes you have to fake it with the audience. When you play a bad note, you have to fake it in front of the audience, right? Like I didn't do that. <laughs> right. Uh, you're putting on a show. You're an entertainer for Christ's sakes. So your job is to give the audience the best show. When somebody says I could, you know, the audience can't tell the difference between a Seldano and a line six. Um, I'm like, well, maybe they can, maybe they can't. That's not the argument I want to make today. The argument I want to make today is your job is to make that amp, whether it's the line six or Seldano sound amazing to the audience. I use the analogy all the time, just like uh, my chef analogy. The the chef is to make the food a great. If they have stewed canned tomatoes versus real fresh tomatoes, they know how to season it correctly so that hopefully when they get it, it's going to be palatable. So that's your your job to do that. Now, a reason I say that is, is um, sometimes it's a luxury, in my opinion, to have qual uh, expensive amplifier. Like I said, I would like to take my Warwick on stage and take it around. I just, it's a, it's, it's just a really expensive instrument. So I'm going to have a lesser priced instrument with me. Same thing with amplifiers and stuff. I'll take stuff that again, just a little bit more affordable, a little bit more easy, something that takes a little bit of abuse, um, something that's easier on the back, you know, all those things make sense. I, I, I totally, I totally, I think that's reasonable. And I don't know if the audience is going to leave the show going, Remember when he used to have that Mesa? I know. It sounded so good. Now his tone is so 90% of that. <laughs> so I'm just telling you, buddy, uh, that uh, there's other options. Uh, but I would caution you to get rid of a Mesa Boogie for a Black Star. Uh, I said this uh, I said this uh, last week that I was talking about this, about, you know, um, no, I wasn't. I was my year in review video. See, it's all starting to mesh. Uh, that video is coming out in a day or so. Um, in my year in review video, I talked about the Epiphone 59 Les Paul and how I reviewed that and what I thought. And one of the things I stated in there is, I don't know if I would have bought a Gibson R9 if I had the Epiphone 59, but I have a Gibson R9, so I'm not selling it to get the Epiphone. That's kind of what I, 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 my theory is. I don't like to sell high-end or quality pieces of gear to buy more affordable pieces of gear. It's not something I, I feel like you're taking a step down and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just being aware of it, right? So you have to be cautious when you do that because it's going to suck if you have to sell that Black Star to go buy a Mesa Boogie. It's going to suck. Badly, especially if you're in Australia. <laughs> okay, so uh, we have, uh, a, I don't know, I'm going to say, Ian, Ian, 135 says just thought I'd share. I made my first ever guitar neck from raw blanks, spruce with rosewood board and aluminum truss rod telly neck. Very proud of myself. Congratulations, man. That is pretty awesome. Um, it's a, it's a, I think 
like I said, I, my big joy always came from tearing stuff apart and put it back together. Um, and more so than creating something from raw materials and saying, Hey, this was a thing. And now it's, you know, this was raw and now it's a full thing. But I, I, I think the joys are the same. The accomplishment of, you know, fixing something is sometimes the accomplishment of repairing or of creating something. But I do, I do, uh, identify with what you're saying. Uh, Logan six, seven, seven says, Hey, Hey, Phil. Hi, Phil. He said, hi, Phil. Hi, Phil. What would be better, a better amp for bedroom playing? Katana 100 Artist or Katana 100 212? Are they different? I don't know. I, oh, I, they are different. Because right, the Katana 212 100 or the Artist. I have heard nothing but amazing things. Ah, oh, sorry guys, I have to shift myself here. Um, I have heard nothing but amazing things about the Katana Artist. I have not tried a Katana Artist. I have two friends that have the Katana Artist. They tell me it's a level up from the Katana for sure. I don't know. I mean, I'm just guessing. I would say artists. I would hope that a bunch of you guys will chime in that have or tried the both of them. I have played the Katana 100-112. I played the 50-watt 112. I've never played the 212. And I've never played the Artist, so I can't tell you. So, I mean, everything for me, it's just, I'm, it would be me guessing. And so that's what I'm, I gave you a kind of general guess, but I, hopefully somebody will chime in with some real answers here. Um, uh, thank you. Here I am for the super chat. Fret level, fret level midnight says refretted my 2000 American Strat with just car stainless steel frets. Biggest upgrade I've ever done to a guitar yet. And by far the most dramatic in my opinion. Yes. You know, what's funny is one of the things that, uh, when I talked about, was it last week or the week before that I was talking about refretting with stainless steel frets. I got some comments on that. I saw them. A lot of them were interesting. Uh, good. Like I said, interesting and good. Some of them are interesting and weird <laughs> as you do sometimes. Weird just being not, not the thought, not the response I thought I would read. But one of the things that somebody said was they were talking about the downfall, of course, refretting your guitar and stainless steel fret, frets is the massive change in sound. And here's the interesting part. I have found myself over the years being like anyone else saying, oh, I don't like the sound of this thing because I tried it and I didn't like it. And therefore, you know, like stainless steel frets, I would say, oh, they're always bright. They're bright sounding. They're bright sounding. They're bright sounding. Um, here's the thing. Sometimes it wasn't the frets, it was the guitars. So as I've bought guitars that have stainless steel frets, they tend to have a tone and I attributed a lot of that tone to the stainless steel frets. And then now that I've refretted so many guitars with stainless steel frets and the before and after when you play them, do I notice that they're a little brighter? Yeah, I do. But here's the, here's the funny thing about this. This is a very minor change in most cases. In most cases. So I don't notice a huge t difference. Um, with it. In fact, I would say, I would, I would say in my personal opinion, there is more of a dramatic change in a bright set of new strings versus strings that are uh, a little dulled from being played than there is between nickel and stainless steel frets. I'm not saying there's not a difference. There is a difference between nickel and stainless steel frets, but I'm saying the difference is not as dramatic as new strings versus old strings. So it's a, it's a difference, but it's minor. So I'm glad it worked out for you. I'm glad you liked it. And, and, uh, I'm glad it was, it was dramatic. <laughs> Uh, Matt says, any experience with the Lawler Imperial, uh, low, high wine versus, uh, the Fortitude? I'm not, I'm not messed with that. I have some Lawlers. Um, I have a Lawler P90 in this SG right here. Uh, and I didn't even know it was in there until one day I bought it used. So one day I restrung it and flipped the 
pickup car and there's a Lawler in there. Um, so I've played some Lawlers, but I'm not very first in them. They're not a pickup that I, I have tried many of them. I have probably one in the shop. Uh, I don't know what I have, but I know there's a Lawler down there. So not a whole lot. Um, so versus the Fortitude, I just don't know. I like Lawler though. So, you know, I like his stuff. What I've played, I've liked. Uh, Jay Marble 95 said, happy holidays and all the best 2023. I'm excited for 2023. A lot of stuff coming. A lot. It's, uh, it's going to be crazy. <laughs> I feel like when I say that, I'm always overhyping it, but we'll see. We'll see if I'm overhyping it. You guys will have to tell me in January. Uh, Jack Lowe says, how did the 20 inch radius of the Strandberg feel? Worried it's too flat for chords, etc. I'm comfortable with the music mans and the PRSs personally. Yeah, if you're not a huge fan of really flat fretboards, it's not going to be something you're going to really like. I usually don't like flat flat fretboards. I like 12 to me is like as flat as I like to get. I get a little nervous when it's like 14 or 16. I don't like that. 20, usually don't play it. I really like it on this guitar. But it's not about the fretboard on that guitar being 20-inch radius. It's about that neck and how it all makes sense. That guitar wouldn't make sense if that flat fretboard was, wasn't that flat. So let me put it this way. Uh, and this is the only thing I can tell you if you haven't played one of those guitars. Of all the things that are going to make you like or hate that guitar, that fretboard is the last thing that will be factored in. <laughs> like I said, that's definitely a, uh, you play that guitar, when you pick it up, uh, The um, when you pick that guitar up, it's not going to be the fretboard that sticks out as the weird thing. So everything else will be a bigger problem. Nathan Sonia, what's up, Nathan? He says, back to basics live. I still need that album. Uh, that's not live. That's a pre-recorded album. So he's talking about back to basics. I did an album in 90. Was it 90? No, it was 2000. No, it was 90. Nope, it was 2000. 2001? I don't know. I have to look. And an instrumental uh, bass CD. Uh... I can't remember. I can't remember the year. It was a long time ago. I have copies. I don't know why. Uh, every time when Nathan, next time you come over, you just gotta ask for one. There's one. There's some. <laughs> so, uh, you know, interesting thing. Uh, you know, I always think like maybe I should redo that, but I'm working on another music project uh, now, so it's not wouldn't make sense to do that again. But so Nathan's just busting my chops. Rummy says, "Hey Phil, I got a Seymour Duncan slash PAF from my Les Paul." The specs say Alnico 2, Alnico 2. How does it differ from Alnico 5 burst buckers? Does this cause the slash pickups to sound spongier and rounder highs and lows? Huh. Uh, so I have done w- way too many tests on this to the point where I, I started questioning my own insanity, where I would, sp- I would wind my own pickups and put an Alnico 2, because you can just change other magnets. I would put an Alnico 2 in it, and then I put on Alnico 5, and then I'd AB them. <laughs> and then I would compare them, you know, right, with back and forth, back and forth. Here's what's funny about this. I always thought Alnico 2 was like this cool thing. I found that when I did that, every time my ear immediately picked the Alnico 5. So why? Why did it do that? Well, here's the thing. At first, I thought I had proved something, which is why there's no video, because the, the video is proof of nothing. 
I thought I proved it in my head. I was like, okay, Al Nico 5 every time, right? Switch, switch, Al Nico 5. Switch, switch. Oh, I like the Al Nico 5. It was a little brighter. I feel like it was a little bit more articulate. Like you said, uh, less spongy is how I call it. I feel like the notes snapped out a little bit. As you know, I like that kind of like the notes that kind of kind of punch out a little bit. Here's the thing about that though. A being, I can nail it every time. Not A being, couldn't tell. Could not tell. So in other words, if if you put an El Nico 2 pickup in the guitar, same pickup, same winding, same wire, same wraps, let me play it. Pull it out, put the five in, right? Let me AB them. Every time, I promise you, with a blindfold, I will nail the El Nico 5 every time. But if you give me one pickup and tell me which one is it, I will never be able to tell. I can't figure it out. I can only tell once I hear the comparison. Because from the comparison, I can hear that one is a slightly brighter pickup and less spongy. But that amount is so, so small. <laughs> and that's what I said. It's that last 1%, right? So, uh, but it is a difference. And there's things that are cool about it. Um, I, I do have some guitars with El Nico 2s that I love. Obviously, there's tons of them. But uh, when I make pickups, I tend to like El Nico 5. So, there you go. Um, so... Uh, what I will tell you is, uh, do I find the Elnico too spongier and rounder on the highs and lows? I, absolutely. That's what I hear. But only if I hear something else for reference. Uh, and when I play it, I don't go, oh, cause I just, the problem is, is what you're perceiving as that feeling can be EQ'd a little bit or adjusted with the pickup heights. So to the, to some degree. Um, okay. T, so, huh. oh. Where's my water? Sorry. Like looking for my glass. Okay. T scissored. T sized. Oh, maybe it's C sized. S Z Y D. T sized says, Phil, what are your thoughts on Framus? Framus. It's actually Framus. Framus. Never really heard about them until I got on Devin Townsend's project. I don't think he's doing Framus anymore, right? He's with uh, Kiesel. So I'm pretty sure he's no longer with Framus. I'm pretty sure he's with Kiesel now. Pretty sure. But yes, he was with Framus. I have actually played the Devin Townsend, all the versions of Devin Townsend, the import, the well, the, uh, the German-made one, the uh, Made in China one. I have a Framus. I really like it. Um, you know, uh, I, I told the story once. I have I had one we, we built uh, at the factory where I, I did the neck and I did all the stuff. And this was the question, should I just eventually unload the footage? Because I have all this footage of me doing everything and then the guitar never got completed. So we never got it completed. But uh, obviously the frames I have is I, I love it. It's sometimes in videos. It's what, I will tell you this. The the frames I have, every time it's in the video, I'd say that Nags is the runner up. The Nags, which is behind me, the white and the uh, seafoam. Uh, that guitar and the frames, every time they're in a video, somebody puts a comment. What is that guitar? <laughs> so the frames gets a lot of attention. They're beautiful instruments. I would say some of the most, I still swear by what I said in 2017, Framus are some of the best made instruments in the world, in the world. Quality, quality. Amazing. I would, hands down, the way, the way they build them, the way they do it, it's just a quality. It's amazing. It's, a, it's, look, there's a lot of great guitars and it's hard to differentiate yourself as being a slightly better than a really great guitar. And when it comes to really great guitars, there are a few brands, two or three, 
that can stick out from the good brands. In other words, when I talk about ultra premium quality guitars, then there's a couple brands that are just 1% better than that. And I would say Framus is one of those. Now, that being said, please don't translate that into, hey, I'm looking at the import Framus D-series guitars. Those are good, but those are as good as any other production uh, produced import instrument because obviously Framus is not building that. I'm talking about Framus made in the German factory. That is the next level stuff. That is the stuff where it's like, what they do there is crazy. So, and then Joe Harvey says big money. It's beyond big money. It's stupid, stupid money. I've already said this. I, I've owned two Framus guitars. The original one I bought at uh, GitCon, uh, which is in 2017, it's purple. That's now owned by Unfreaking Believable. He's the one that bought that from me. From that selling that guitar, I was I bought another Framus and I was going to buy the one we were going to, you know, the production one that I worked on. And then they never finished it. So I can't buy it, obviously. Um, and, uh, and so now I just have the one Framus guitar, which is downstairs. It's a television. It's downstairs. It's amazing. It, uh, it's so, you know, <laughs> on the side note, the Framus that's downstairs in my front family room next to the TV. It's the one guitar that hangs in that family room. Uh, that's my wife's decision. She likes to stare at that guitar. She says it's, and that guitar, when people come over, in fact, here's the funny thing. Think all these guitars. Okay. And this is like a more hype for the frame is, I guess, but it's all true. So it's just, it is what it is. Uh, Dovey Doss came to my house. I told you guys the story. He came, uh, went on his way when he was moving to California, when he came to the house, we went and had dinner and we goofed off all night and stuff. And, uh, when he was, uh, walking through the house and he was looking at all my, all my guitars, he, we, I showed him, you know, all the guitars. There's a lot, you know, there's good guitars are cool. Some of these guitars are cool. No guitars it stuck out like a Framus. He immediately said, that's absolutely your best guitar. He didn't even hesitate. He, he picked it up. He's like, this is the best guitar. So, but to answer everybody's question, yes. Uh, and if you're asking who are the other brands, I would say, I would say Nick Uber, right? Uh, Nick Huber, Nick Huber would be another brand that when you pick up his guitars, you're like, wow. But again, they have the price tags to match. It's crazy. And uh, some of you, some of you got that cash to go do that. Me, I got industry connections. I'm in the I'm in the biz and I've been collecting long enough to where I can, you know, orchestrate some kind of deal where those guitars become reality for me, but I don't know if I could justify those prices. I said I've said this before. My Warwick, one of my main reasons why my concern with the Warwick was is I did not pay the retail price on that Warwick. I didn't even pay dealer cost. I paid an artist pricing that I'll probably never get access to again in a million years. So, that being said, there's no way if something happened at Warwick, I would be able to, re- I would justify, be able to justify the price to replace it, which would be crazy. So, so, uh, and then, uh, you know, there you go. I was going to say, somebody's going to ask. <laughs> Nathan says, no, the Hardtail 24 is your best guitar. That's the one that Nathan made for me. I would say, I would say, I never did a, never thought about it that way, uh, making a video or even talking about it on the show, like out of my guitars that you always ask me, like everybody always asks me like, what's my favorite? What's the most emotional connected? Which is the one I play the most, but, and what are the most expensive? What are the cheapest? Those are questions I've always gotten over the years, but I never got one. Like what are the best built guitars that I currently own? Like quality down. I would say Nathan's, uh, custom 24, the Framus, Probably the Music Man, because Music Man's up there too with like just flawless execution. I mean, think about this. I mean, I love this PRS Hollow Body. It's an amazing guitar. Amazing. 
But when I got it, the nut was put on incorrectly. <laughs> I talk about triggering people. I know right now a couple of you were like, what? You guys are triggered by stuff like that. Um, look, it was in any other world of, of, of any other existence of pre-COVID, post-COVID, there is no way I would buy this hollow body two for the price I paid for it. Show up and have the nut literally glued on slightly askew. Because um, <laughs> let me tell you, I work on a lot of guitars, but even I was, my butt was so puckered when I was taking, I had to tap and take the nut off, right? To reposition it back on the guitar. When you have a guitar that that's crazy expensive, <laughs> you're doing that. I don't care how long, how many guitars I've repaired in my lifetime. Just your butt puckers, whether it's a customer's guitar or your guitar, that's that's a guitar you do not want to, to make a mistake on. And normally, normally, this is why I said pre-COVID, post-COVID, normally I would send that guitar back, right? You'd call up the dealer and say, hey, this is not, this is not up to snuff. This has got to go back. But when I bought that guitar, I had spent three, four months Every waking morning, every waking afternoon, every waking minute before bed, looking at available guitars when they were coming in from dealers. And that thing popped in out of nowhere. And if I didn't buy it, it probably would have sold in, in the next 10 minutes. And you couldn't get them. And I knew if I sent it back, I wouldn't get another one. And so, I mean, I'd get my money back, but I wouldn't get another one. And I don't know if I would get one any better. And so I, and it was a fix I could do, right? It wasn't like a finished flaw. It was like a, okay, I'll popped the nut off and it was glued on like I thought. And it popped off like I thought I've done it. A, I've done it a, a dozen hundred times. I don't know how many times I've done PRS nuts. Uh, but you know, it was a little different when it's like, <laughs> also, cause you're like, and if I mess this up, I'm definitely keeping this guitar. So yeah, it happens. But, um, uh, but so, I mean, I couldn't put it in that same list. I, I would put it in a great guitar. It sounds great. It's beautifully constructed, um, but it's not this, it wasn't the same execution. And I like to, again, just to disclose for no other reason than, like I said, I bought that guitar full price from a dealer. So I have no, like no reason to say anything other than what I'm saying, which is um, that other than that crazy scenario with that one thing, this guitar is a beautiful instrument on every level. And it's, it's one of my favorites in how it's constructed and how it's done. So, um, and then I'm trying to think of other guitars that are beautifully executed. I kind of feel like I, I mean, I feel like I got to name some more names, but I'm going to just randomly grab them where I feel like the ones I gave you are honest to God, true. Like that's how I feel. So I'll just leave it at the Nathan's guitar, the Framus, and then that music band I would say are all seriously perfect works works of art so um uh you know what's funny is brian s guitar says how does the qc guy not see that and the dealer too you know what's funny about that is i wonder i wonder in a few years if we'll all lose people lose you know perspective of the events that happened to us and the time that we were all spending together. Um, you know, when, when that all was happening, the lockdowns and stuff, um, the guitar, this guitar right here. So, you know, uh, Nathan even helped me figure this out. So I'll give him credit. Um, we were able to figure out that this guitar, even though it was started in the beginning of 2020, it wasn't finished until the uh, summer of 2020 
And that guitar, if you look at the finish date on it, was one week after the employees came back from the lockdown. And so here's why, like I said, I couldn't go, what? This is ridiculous. I, I, I'm a human being and I can, and I work on guitars and I understand like anybody, if you do, if you do something for a living, you relate to people who do what you do for a living. These employees at that time were learning how to work with their masks on, how to work with the new, uh, the new procedures. They were having morning safety meetings. They had to be tested every day to go to work. Um, they were probably stressed. They were tired. They were scared. Um, I, you know, it sounds like I'm making excuses, but cause now it seems like so st- silly what I'm saying, but at the time, remember it was a different world. So I don't know if I could come down on PRS for putting out a guitar with a mistake like that the week that they came back from lockdown. Um, now the second part of your question, Brian, is how did the dealer let that through? Well, the dealer probably didn't even look because the dealer was probably so happy to get it. Think about, think about the dealer. And again, I'm not making excuses. I'm explaining. I, I would imagine the dealer got the guitar, probably so happy because they had been sold out. Remember during lockdown, all these dealers ran out of inventory and there was no product. And I'm not kidding when I tell you this guitar popped on. I can't remember the dealer. It wasn't Eddie's guitars. I'll, I'll look it up and figure out who, what dealer I bought it from. But it was a, one of the high-end dealers. That guitar popped up. It was the color I was looking for. It was what I was looking for. I bought it. It probably wasn't on their website more than a few hours from when I bought it. So, I mean, you know, because guys like me were looking for it because apparently, I don't know, like I told you, I was in a mood. (laughs) I need, you only live once. I should finally buy that PRS hollow body I've always wanted. I don't know, silliness. Um. Okay, let's get back to guitar questions and stuff. Uh, let me refresh this. Okay. <laughs> One of your sign-ons are great. I'm going to get to that in a second. Plaster Populous says, Hey, Phil, I bought an Ibanez AMH90. I have no idea what that is. We'll figure that out. The neck is set at the wrong angle. <laughs> 1.75 millimeters. Actually, I'm not laughing. I'm just like, you know, I get it. Uh, with the bridge at, all the way down. Any suggestions in the long term? Uh, I need to look up this guitar because those numbers make me nervous because that's because it's not doesn't sound. It sounds like one of the set neck models. And uh AMH 90 hollow body. Okay. I'll share with you guys once I find the guitar. Yeah, I was right. It's a set neck. So let me share with you guys web. Here you go. This is what it it is. AMH, AMH 90 H 90. Yep. Hollow body guitar. So the issue is, is that you're saying the neck is set incorrectly. Hold on a second. Let me go back to your question. The neck is set at the wrong angle. So 1.75 millimeter action with the bridge all the way down. Any suggestions? Well, I don't know because, okay, so again, let me shift here. Uh, Yeah, I get it. 1.75, and that's low. I mean, two millimeters is like the standard you're going to see most guitars sit at. Some guitar players, uh, they need one millimeter. I mean, they want the action shreddy. Uh, And that's, that's, of course, your preference. If your preference is to have low action, you should have low action. Um, If... So I'm giving you two answers because I, I can't I have to anticipate what you're saying to me. If you're saying it's 1.7 and it's not low enough for you, then I understand you're screwed because 
you know, hey, the bridge is all the way down. The neck angle is set where it is, and it gets a little tough. Um, however, if you're saying, like, maybe it's fine, but you're a little nervous because then you can't adjust, and what happens if it moves? I can get where that gets nervous, too. Uh there is no easy fix, okay, for it, right? Uh, how would I fix it? Okay, so without looking at it, again, because maybe it was it's as simple as a couple adjustments. Sometimes when you think you made all the right adjustments, you haven't. You know, you're like, well, the bridge is all the way down. I've, I've adjusted the neck. There's always a different way to look at something. I've, I've done this many times where even, and, and again, I'm, not, I'm fallible too. So, I mean, I've done it where I thought I nailed it. And then luckily uh, somebody, uh, that, that I work with can, you know, look at it and fix it too. So in your case, maybe you made the neck adjustment and you got the bridge down, but maybe there's a way to adjust a different way. So think about that. The other thing is if let's say you have made all the right decisions, you are stuck. There's no way to lower it anymore. I need to look at that bridge before I say what I'm going to say. Yes. Uh, I mean, I would, me, how I would anticipate fixing this, let me go to it, is I would anticipate one of two things. I would either find a way to lower that bridge even more, okay? So I know what you're saying is like, okay, that the spindle thing is turned all the way down and there's no way to go. But there's always a way, maybe I'll pull the, the, uh, the inserts out and drill them down a little lower and sink them in a little bit lower. That's probably the thing I would probably try to do is get the bridge a little lower. Um, that's a that's a fix. You can also take uh, nut files. I'm trying to get my pointer on my mouse. Why am I in zoom mode only? Anyways, so just bear with me with my magnifying glass. Um, these saddles, let me go back to them. Drag to zoom. Sorry. Um, these saddles, you can lower if you're, if you're only talking a small amount, if you just need to get that last bit of there, some nut files, you file these slots and it's no different than an acoustic guitar or a nut. And you can lower it that way. That's another way you can do it. Again, you can find little ways to get this bridge down. If that didn't work, then how I would do it next is I would pull the frets off and I would, I would literally plane the fretboard down uh and then refret it <laughs> that's what i would do i mean if i'm, I'm talking you know if you gave me because again sometimes the problem is is like i said somebody sometimes uh, somebody will give me a task and say this is what i want and i just do it and that's the cost of it and some people obviously would say like well i'm not going to pay more than what i paid for the guitar the guitar being you know 700 dollars. i mean you can't have me charge you 350 dollars for refret uh you know uh, I mean, maybe you will. Some people do it. They're like, just make it right. I'm like, okay, I'll make it right. But I'm um, just giving you some insight. Those are two ways I would approach to figure out how to get the action a little lower if I was stuck at that. But before I would do any of that, I would make damn sure that there was is there is no more adjustments to make. And this happens a lot. Like I said, if I would before I would do that, even if you want to do the work yourself, even if I was doing the work myself, I would take it to a someone who I trust to get a second opinion, right? Because obviously you don't want to do all that work and find out that, no, man, you can adjust it right here and here. And then it, it kind of worked itself out. Just a thought. Uh, Randy Crooks says, hey, Phil, my current rig is a Fender bass breaker at Epiphone 59 Les Paul with a Gibson Electronics. Keeley Darkside, that's a great pedal with the delay on there. LPD Lucent, LPD 68, Boss RV6, and MXR Phase 90. Any suggestions? 
You mean for more stuff for you to buy? <laughs> Are you are you are you paying me super chat to, to ask me if what more you should buy? Sounds like you have a lot of stuff. Or is the question what's missing in your rig? What's missing? Okay, well you have a base breaker. Uh, that's a good amp. I don't know which base breaker. Keep in mind, remember all base breakers are different. So whether you have the seven watt, the fifteen watt, the forty watt, forty five watt, they're all different amps. So differently circuits, different everything. So uh, the base breaker is kind of a tough amp because it's one of the Fender amps that's like that doesn't tell me exactly what circuit you have. Whether you have because one's more Marshally, one's more Fendery. You know what I mean? One's more Vox like. So okay. Uh, but anyway, it's good amp. I'll assume whichever one you have doesn't matter. They're all good amps. The uh, 59 Les Paul, we already decided that's really good with the Gibson Electronics. This is obviously good. Ke Keeley Darkside, the Lucent, LP68. Their RV6 is your reverb. MXR is your Phase 90. Any suggestions? With that amp, I would get a compressor. Don't it? Here's the thing about those amps, those bass breakers. They, uh, it's a compressor is one of those things that sometimes you don't think you want, but man, do they work really well with those uh, with Fender amps? Fender amps and compressors are uh, a fun thing to try and mess with. Um, I'll sometimes use the compressor like a boost and just crank it and just push it through the Fender amp. And so, that's something I would suggest. Or if you're talking about uh, something else, you could be missing. Get a Strat. <laughs> you got a Les Paul. Now you need a Strat for no reason, just a Strat. Music Therapy Last says, hey, oops, hey, Phil, Mary Rockmas, and do you know anything about vintage 1980s Fernandez guitars? Okay, hold on. Picked one up at Norm's while in LA last weekend. Fernandez is a brand that, uh, like, to me, like Aria Pro, and who else would I liken them by? Like Fernandez was that brand that wasn't ESP, it wasn't Ibanez, it wasn't Kramer, but it was a known brand, and you know it ha and it had a following. It has a following of, of players. A lot of them made in Japan, some remain in Korea. I don't think they had an American line, not that I remember. Obviously, Fernandez had the Sustainiac in it. Uh, some do. They, you know, that's a technology. Oh, I'm losing my voice. But. Uh, to answer your question, oh, wait, what is the question? Uh, do you know anything about vintage 1980s Fernandez? Uh, not really. I mean, not anything that would be different than anything vintage, like an 80s Kramer or 80s Aria Pro, 80s West Tones, 80s, uh, you know, Hamers. I mean, it's just a, it's a guitar from the era. They're cool. They're different ones too. That's another guitar that's all over the place. There, a lot of them look like Charvel Jackson clones. I mean, that's what a lot of those companies in the '80s. A lot of brands popped up because there was these mainstream brands that had ki that were killing it, right? And and again, I don't want to put all of them in this lump sum, but that's one thing where you see a lot of brands in the '80s for sure. You see a lot of new brands where. You have Kramer. I mean, people sometimes forget how Kramer killed it when they came out. I mean, they were just, they were selling so many guitars that, you know, they, could, they couldn't keep up, you know. And you had Kramer and you had BC Rich and you had uh, Jackson and Charvel and just, they were the who's who of the brands. And then, and then you had all these brands that were like them that were either more affordable or they were just obtainable. And when you're obtainable, I mean, dealers could get them because you know you had you it's it's crazy when you think about the 80s especially the mid late 80s um 
when you think about the fact that dealers, you know, had trouble getting hands on these iconic guitars that every guitar player wanted because everybody wanted to be a guitar player and everybody wanted those guitars, uh, those shreddy guitars. The, you know, uh, I just told you the story when we started the show about how I had this 70s uh, uh, <laughs> a Gibson V and I didn't even want it. My buddy Thor has a funny story where he, um, and I think it was like 88 or 89. I don't want to mess up his story, but he once told me the story I thought was funny. He was, I told him my V story. He told me his story was he went to music store one day to buy a, an Ibanez. He never had an Ibanez. He wanted an Ibanez RG. And it was like $600 and he only had 500 bucks. He's like, Hey, would you take 500 bucks? And the dealer's like, no. And he's like, Oh, come on, you know, 500 bucks out the door. And the dealer's like, no, but I'll sell you that Gibson Les Paul for 500 bucks. So he walked out with Gibson Les Paul and he was mad. <laughs> And now he loves Les Pauls and now, you know, it, it ended up being the right choice. He would, he would have never kept the Ivan as he kept the Les Paul, but that, that tells you the diff, how different the market was for a while. Like this dealer was like, I got this boat anchor of a Gibson Les Paul. So the mid late eighties was, uh, you know, until Slash came and Zach Wilde came, the Les Pauls were not doing so great. And the Fenders, you know, that's why Fender made the heavy metal strats. So that's why they were, all those brands were trying to copy these brands. So Fernandez is a great, I think it's a great brand. I think it's cool. But it's steeped in my memory as being a product of being like, like the main Jackson, Charvel, Kramer stuff, just a little bit different, um, but having that same aesthetic. So, and again, you could have a totally, um, you could have a totally different model because that's one thing about those brands; they were all over the place with what they were making. They were making, but the most of Fernandez I've seen are definitely Charvel esque, Jackson esque looking instruments. Local dry cleaner, <laughs> nice sign on says, hey, Phil, I forgot if you talked about this, but have you covered the Aristides on the channel or plan to? Aristides uh, guitars, I think I'm saying it correctly. Aristides guitars are a composite instrument uh, guitar. I have uh, wanted to have one on the channel forever. I am constantly uh, looking. I'd say once or twice a month, I look for an Aristides guitar. This is a guitar that is a very expensive instrument, very unique, going to have a very small market. The resale value is okay, okay, uh, not great. Uh, not uh, not in, not a, not saying anything about the company. A lot of high end brands. Uh, the high, more expensive guitars, the resale gets screwed because a lot of people have a lot of theories. But in my experience, selling guitars the reason why the resale on the high-end guitars is so bad is that when people have the kind of money to buy high-end guitars, um, they buy what they want. <laughs> okay. Um, the, you know, and, and like in, let's talk about Paul Reed Smith for a second as a Paul Reed Smith dealer for a decade. What I would tell you is customers would really fall into two categories when it came to Paul Reed Smith guitars in the shop. They'd come in and they'd want exactly what they want. So they go, I want a PRS core custom 24 with the five-way blade, with the tremolo, but with a pattern thin neck, with the birds in this color, you know, this is exactly what I want. Or they wanted a deal, <laughs> right? And so they would go, hey, I want a green PRS. And we go, we have a pink one, it's half off. And they go, okay, I'll take that. Because So a lot of us are forced to buy the instruments that are close to the instrument we want, because like I said, we have to make it affordable. It has to be, it has to be justified. You have to justify this expense. So um, and when you're buying a guitar that is super expensive, but not exactly what you want, you want a deal, right? I mean, that's how, how it works. Um, you know, if you always wanted a, again, we just use Paul Smith. If you always want a Blue Mateo PRS Custom 24 and you walk in a store and you can keep finding ones in every other color, you're not really to pay premium price for that. 
because you you're buying one that's not exactly what you want. So you want a discount. So Aristides, back to that. Uh, I'm trying to get one on the channel. I'm trying to buy one and put one on the channel. When I say I'm trying to buy one, I'm trying to, I'm, I have to, when I buy a guitar like that, I've done a couple of these over the years when I buy certain guitars for the channel for review. Um, I know sometimes I'm buying it solely to flip it, you know, uh, and the idea that I'm going to do the video and then I'll flip it and there'll be a little loss on it, but that's why I have the Patreon system. That's why, you know, you make money on YouTube and that's why, um, the video hopefully will do well and it will pay, you know, part of that or all of it. Sometimes I, like I said, sometimes a windfall, like, um, I bought that Ibanez flip-flop geo, man, that paid dividends, 175,000 views and Christmas time. Those views are good views when it comes to advertising that video, that guitar has been paid over three, four times over from the video, but that doesn't always how it works. I can't anticipate that always. Sometimes I buy a guitar and you know, after I buy the guitar and, and sell it, if I sell it for a little bit less than what I paid for it, if especially if it's new. And then what I get from the video, sometimes I break even and that's fine too, but I'm just giving you the, the inside of how the channel works. The point of this is that's a guitar that I kind of picture wanting. So I'm trying to buy one that I want because it would be a lot better for me if I bought one, did a video of it and then kept it. But I also have to anticipate that once I get it, I might not love it and I have to flip it. So that's where I'm with Aristides. It's a guitar that's on the radar. There are a bunch of guitars that will be coming on the channel eventually. I hate the one thing about this uh, show. I hate talking about this is because then it, months go by and you're like, whatever happened with that? And it's like, I don't live in a, you know, it's going to be next week, everybody. It's just, there's always something in the pipeline working. That's how you have content coming all the time. So that's one of the guitars that I'm working on to do. I would really like to do a deep dive on that guitar and get, go through it. I really enjoy guitars like that. Weird guitars. And like I said, that's a composite guitar. It's really cool. So I don't know. So that's, uh, that's the answer to that. Hmm. Um, a lot of you guys have reached out. So, you know, over the last few months or over the last few years, more so in the last few months about loaning me guitars. Hey, I'd like to loan you guitar. And a lot of times when we get back to you, what we have to explain to you is I've been trying to catch up because <laughs> loaning me guitars is a different problem because you have to understand, I already have to deal with companies sometimes getting a little, little irritated with they send a guitar and we still have it for, and you know, a month or two goes by because we're still trying to, you know, get, I'm trying to get it done. Uh, last thing, that's a good guitar company. Okay. They, they're getting free advertising out of this, or they're getting advertising out of this depends on how the compensation was worked out. Either way, they're getting something out of it. You guys loaning me a guitar. The last thing I want to be is the guy who has your guitar. And it's like, okay, I'm, 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 I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Uh, you know, so, and it already happens every time I do it. So I'm trying to put myself in a position where we can, uh, get that caught up. And that is going to happen in January. Uh, it's technically happened now, but I mean, I'm, it's into the year and I don't need any more stuff to do <laughs> to think about right now, but yeah, next month. Okay. What else? Do we have another question? One last question, one last subject, one last thing. Hold on a second. Let me do this real fast. Um, I have to pull this up. Last week, Amanda sent me a message uh, saying I missed the super chat. So let me let me pull up the messages. At least I swore Amanda sent me a message saying I missed a, I missed the super chat. There you are. Okay. Uh, yes. 
All right. Uh, so thank you. I want to say thank you for Amanda. And this is what I was talking about, about the moderators helping and stuff, taking care of things. Amanda made sure that this, uh, this question got uh, saved. So this is from Every Note Counts. It says, thanks for teaching about deals. I got a Vintage 2 Strat, Vintage, I think the brand, free shipping and 20% off. Also got a Custom Shop Strat discount demoed and a deal also. Also. Oh, cool. So it wasn't even so much a question as so much as just a, a statement about getting discounts. One thing I've seen with the comments over the years is a lot of you guys are basically say, uh, you guys are uh, say that basically um, talking about deals sometimes helps helped you guys, you know, kind of figure out how to do things. And I always tell people, you have to do it within your personality. Um, and I think I saw somebody like, I think Mike just said, did you see, no, did you see my super chat? Mike, did I see your super chat? Oh, here it is. Here it is. Okay, here's Mike's. Mike says, hey, went to Carter's Vintage Guitars in Nashville. It's one of my favorite stores in Nashville. So that's where I bought my gold top Les Paul. It's from Carter's. Um, Carter's Vintage Guitars in Nashville and got a Rivera Sedona, Sedona amp. Rivera Sedona amp. I don't know why I can't say Sedona. It's an actual city in Arizona. Rivera Sedona amp at a great price. Sounds great for electric and acoustic guitars. Have you ever played one? And what's your opinion? I have never played the Rivera Sedona amp, but I played many Rivera amps. I like Rivera amps. Very overbuilt stuff. Uh, I like a lot of the Rivera stuff. Very, very cool. Very, very overbuilt from my experience. I have not played all of them. I can't tell you that. It's like a blanket statement on product. That's what downfall is like. When I'm versed in a product through thoroughly, I kind of feel like I can brush stroke, uh, you know, broad stroke comments like that. But uh, Rivera is the one where I've I played a half a dozen amps over the years, and I've I've had great experiences with the ones I have. Um, so very very cool amp. Uh, it's a good find. I love Carter's man. That's a great store. I I peruse. If you guys don't uh, know, you can peruse online, and they give you the weights like Sweetwater does, and they tell you they disclose to you if it's a consignment or if it's theirs because that's, sometimes that's important. If it's consignment, obviously I don't think they're gonna give you a discount. Um, when I did the last poll, I didn't ask for a discount. That was a great find. And so I was like, all right, I'm, I'm there. Um, uh, they're a little slow to ship. I only tell you that so, so that if you, you know, you buy it from them and then later you come to me and going, hey, Phil, I mean, uh, they took a week to ship mine out. <laughs> so in the grand scheme of things, you know, it wasn't like it was my, you know, it wasn't like my, my, my medication. So I'm fine with it. But uh, I just let you know that they're not like, you know, Amazon and Sweetwater where it's out in like two hours after you do it. Um, okay. We also have a uh, big beluga. Big beluga says, Hey Phil, have you tried the synergy stuff? It's great. I have tried the synergy. Well, synergy stuff is Eggnator slash the Randall stuff. So Eggnator was licensed to Randall and that was the single channel stuff. Eggnator is the two channel stuff. And then synergy is, I don't want to say repackaged stuff of that. Cause that's not really fair to the synergy guys. Uh, as you know, um, you know, I like those guys a lot and I like that product, but that's the synergy stuff. So I have tried it in that form. I've never tried it in the synergy form. Um, obviously I've been to that factory and I've talked to those guys and, uh, and I always think it would be, it was kind of funny. Um, I kind of, uh, I almost had an opportunity to get some synergy stuff on the channel, but it fell through, uh, I went to an event and Synergy sponsored it and they asked me to check out the Synergy stuff. And I was like, cool. And I couldn't get a room because, you you know, when you're at those events, you kind of like book a room. You say, OK, I need a room for this time. And my room didn't get booked or something happened. So I couldn't check it out. 
when I came back, because I was at the event, they did a, a thing where they sent a bunch of YouTube channels, some Synergy stuff to do videos. I really feel like I would have been one of the channels they might have, because I have a good relationship with those guys. I might have been one of the channels that would got some of that stuff to do a video for you guys. But they sent it to channels and they didn't send it to me, I'm sure, because they knew I was going to be at the event. I was going to do something. So I kind of into a weird, wacky spot where I didn't get my hands on any of their stuff. Um, I've obviously interviewed Steve I at the factory where they build this Synergy stuff. I did that interview. That interview I do with Steve I is there. He was there to tell us about the new Synergy stuff. So I like it. I, I The only cautionary thing I have to say is, uh, as someone who had the... I had the Randall stuff, which I know the Randall stuff... I don't want to say subpar to the Synergy Agnator stuff, but it was by design not to be the exact same thing. It was a little bit different license deal. Um, but back to the Synergy stuff, I would love to tr check it out in a way different than just plug into and go, oh, yeah, that sounds like a Freeman. Oh, yeah, that sounds like a Marshall. I would really like to spend some time with it. It's one of those products where I feel like, yeah, I could see myself going that way and ditching a ton of these amps. <laughs> I mean, I would love to do that. That That's a dream, right? I don't want to have 10 amps. <laughs> you know, I'd love to have, I mean, that's essentially, like I said, when I got the Kemper, when you get the Axvex, that's your like whole thought. It's like, I'll get that and I can get rid of all these amps. And you go, I can't get rid of these amps. I would really like to own like a, something like a Synergy and maybe have, you know, six modules and then own two other amps just for fun, you know, to have those other amps. But so the answer to your question is no, I haven't put my hands on that stuff. Uh, Litvay says, can I discuss the full moon pickups for the Epi? I, I assume you're talking about the full moon pickups I put in the Epiphone for the Sharp of my Axe years ago. Man, I couldn't even tell you much about that. <laughs> like I couldn't even re remember. I'd have to watch that video. I once, I met a YouTuber I thought was messing with me once when I first started doing YouTube. I mean, I really thought, I thought it was a, I almost thought it was a dick move. I was like, okay, that was weird. I was new to the YouTube and, you know, they were this established YouTuber with like, you know, they had thousands and thousands of videos. And uh, I was talking to him and I was doing the thing that I thought was considerate, like, hey, I love your channel and these are the videos I love. And I would talk about their videos and almost every video they were so like, I did a video about that. I don't even remember. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, he's this guy, you know, right? Like, eh, okay. He's too cool to talk to me about, you know, right? I was like, okay. So I was just, I went with it. It was really, you know, it's like, okay, cool. Now <laughs> that I have like 900 videos, I mean, now I feel bad because they had thousands. I have 900 videos. Sometimes I'm talking to somebody and they're like, remember that video about this? I'm like, I remember almost every video I did, but to remember what's in those videos, it starts feeling like a blur after a while. It's just so, so to, 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 uh, the full moon, I thought those were dark moon pickups. Maybe these aren't even the pickups you're talking about. You said full moon. So, and I, so I'm just assuming that we're talking about the full moon pickups for the Epiphone. Could you discuss full moon pickups for the Epiphone? Or you could be talking about our full moon pickups. See, I don't even have a reference. Uh, yeah. So we'll end on that. We'll end on my inability to remember. Uh, all right. On that note, we'll call it. It was a fun episode. Um, my year in review, it will be out on Sunday. So that's my thing I do every year, uh, you know, where I, I talk about what I reviewed and what I liked and what I didn't like. Uh, and uh, 
the highlights and stuff like that. Really cool. Um, I, I wanted to get it out already, uh, but I got a sponsor for it. It's Skillshare. Uh, a Skillshare, um, they're not sponsoring this, obviously, but Skillshare um, is a, I, I signed up and did Skillshare after I came back from Sweetwater. I didn't mention it. I should mention it in the, in the Skillshare comment, but I didn't, which is my son uh, wanted to help me with some stuff. He's helping me do some stuff just like my wife. And I, I unbeknownst to me, he signed up for Skillshare, and uh, which is sucks because I had agreement with him that I could get Skillshare for free. <laughs> so he paid. But anyways, so I was, uh, so anyways, they're sponsoring that was really cool. I'm trying to do some more stuff like that where it's, uh, you know, less uh, sponsored content, but more of just like a, you know, I can talk about anything and just have a general sponsor. Um, and then, uh, so that's coming out. And then the other video that was supposed to come out this week did not come out. And uh, I'm, I, I will explain that later. But what happened was a company, which I don't, I don't have a confirmation how deliberate this was. So I can't really like throw them under the bus yet. But I will as soon as I find out if, how deliberate it was. Um, a company sent me a cool guitar. I actually thought it was really cool. Um, but part of the decision process to do this video was I really liked the price of the guitar and I liked the features. The guitar came. I did the video. They um, asked me when the video would be out. I gave them the launch date, which I think I'm never going to do again. And I just so happened right before as I was about to send the video out to patrons... I looked and they had raised the price of the guitar by 35%. And I think I've just had it with that. That, that keeps happening uh, with these companies. You, you, they ask you to do a video and you do the video and then they jack up the price. So, yep. So I, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't put out the, uh, I didn't put out the video. Uh, so, uh, what I did, however, is they, uh, I'm, I'm trying to get it to where, um, they will correct the price for us, or they will give us a code to put it back down to the price for you guys, at least, because either way, I just don't like that feeling of, you know, they, they, they anticipate an onslaught of sales. And so they're jacking up the price <laughs> and, uh. So he says, please name them. Well, here's the problem. What if I name them and then we get it all resolved? And it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't a mistake. Because again, there's no proof that they did it because my video was coming out. Just seems coincidental. I'm finding out. But I will promise you, one of two things will happen. The video will come out. You'll figure it out from this conversation because I'll either mention that you get a discount code or I won't do it. And then I'll tell, I'll tell you guys what it was. Obviously, it's, an, it's a non, no, you wouldn't know the brand. That's the whole point. That's why, like I said, uh, sometimes when small brands or unknown brands reach out to you, you're, that's exciting thing. We get to share new things on the channel, which is exciting, but I'm not here to, you know, again, I don't sell their crap. I'm not here to sell their stuff. I'm here to share cool stuff with you guys, uh, and not figure out, you know, cause here's, I've said this before, my relationship with these companies are, they are important to the degree that it's important to have relationships with anybody. You know, you want to have, you want to conduct yourself in a, in a fair, fair and, and, and business esque professional way. However, I work for you guys. So I'm not going to screw you guys for a company. That doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> I mean, it just on the ethics, I would, doesn't make sense. And then on the economical sense, it doesn't make sense. Who are these companies to me in the long term? You guys hang out with me every week. It may not sound like a big deal to you, but literally, it is. It's uh, that's where the you know you don't bite the hand that feeds you. You're literally the hand that feeds the channel. So my uh, my allegiance is to you guys every time. 
uh, which is why I have to make decisions I make sometimes. On that note, let's end on this. Let's have some fun this weekend. Let's play some guitars. I hope you guys enjoyed my videos for next week because they'll they'll be uh, fun, I hope. And uh, I will see you guys next Friday. Um, and I think next Friday, is that a holiday week? <laughs> uh, anyways, the show's going to happen, but we're going to have some giveaways. So there you go. We'll do it live on the show. We'll do something fun. Uh, and something really personal giveaway, something really cool. So be prepared to be here for that if that's something that sounds fun. On that note, thank you guys so much for your time. And I'll see you guys next week. Until the next time, know your gear. <laughs>